Uh, it's, it's all about um, the church. When we talk about the church, it's about people. And so we've been making that point. I want to continue to make that point with you. So when you read about the church in the Bible, it's, it's either about the people from the time of Jesus, all the believers up till now, that's the church, that's all of us, or it's a group of people in a specific place. It's sometimes what they're talking about with the church, but it's always about people. So right now, you know, we're the church. We're, we're gathered corporately as the church. Uh, when you leave the facility here in a little while, you're still going to be the church. You'll just be, I like to call it the church on mission. Um, and the point is that uh, church isn't something we do. Church is something that we are. As believers in Christ, we are the church. And that's very impactful in how we live this life. And so I want to make sure that that's resonating with you. Well, because it's about people, it's about our relationships, and it's about our relationship with God and our relationships with the people of God and our relationship with the future people of God. And we're looking at those relationships in the context of discipleship, fellowship, worship, and mission. We talked about what it means to be a disciple. Today we're going to start on a little journey into the idea of fellowship and what that looks like together. And we'll be doing that over the next period of time as we press on. So that's the intro. Uh, transition, always a bad joke or two. These are really bad, but that's okay. I had a friend say to me, hey, what rhymes with orange? And I said, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry, but that one had me just, I was just roaring at that one. I know you might not appreciate, that's my kind of humor there. I was laughing, I was in my office early in the morning. I was just, I was just roaring. So, sorry if that's not yours, but if it helps, that, that's funny stuff. Did you hear about the guy who invented Lifesavers? Yeah, they say he made a mint. So, I, I don't know. Last one. I was thinking about going on an all almond diet. That's just nuts. No? All right. You know, they were roaring last night. I don't know what they must have been, just happy or something. Maybe that it was over. Scripture reading here on purpose, John 15, 12 through 17. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down, uh, that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Blessed be the word. Uh, the Lord. If you were here a few weeks ago, we actually looked at that passage for a moment, and um, I said to you that there's a, a, a biblical literary thing happening in that passage. In verse 12, it says, this is my command, love each other. And in verse 17, it repeats, this is my command, love each other. And when you see that happening in the Bible, it's called an inclusio, and it's like parentheses. And what, what, what happens there is that everything in between the two like statements are, are descriptive of that statement. And so Jesus is talking about how we're to love each other in the midst of those things. We, we talked in the last time we brought it up, I talked about you know, where to bear fruit that will last. But I want to talk about something in there this week different because all of it is so powerful. And, and um, I think, my opinion, that of all of the different titles by which believers are referred to in the New Testament, that, that I think the best one is that Jesus calls us his friends. 
to me, that's just the absolute best thing that's going on. There's something about friendship that is so amazing. It's such a, an intimate type friendship. You know, with your friends, you, you share what's going on in your lives. You share with them your excitements and your, your difficulties and your heartaches. That's what you do with friends. And when Jesus calls us friends, it just takes the idea of our relationship to a completely different place. Uh, and, and so, you know, think about what that means, that he's called you his friends. And he said, Let me, you are my friends, he says in verse 14, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. When you look at that, don't look at verse 14 and, and think that you can earn friendship by being good. It's just not the point. Jesus is saying that, that when you do what he commands, it's an indication that you love him. See, servants obey because they have to. Friends do it because they want to. And that's significant in our understanding, our relationship with Jesus. And how incredible it is to be known as his friends. I, I think, you know, take some time and just let that sort of work through your minds. Uh, how amazing it is to be a friend of Jesus. Friends of Jesus. We have the privilege of sitting down with, with the Master and understanding the kingdom. Um, he's the king, but he's inviting us into the whole process. Uh, you know, I, I tell you all the time, he, it's his story. How amazing is it that he invites us in to be a part of his story and that it makes a difference. But he's the noun, and we come in as adjectives to describe him. And he taught his disciples, and he continues to do this with his disciples for those three years. He taught them all about the kingdom. He, he explained how, how it worked and the philosophy behind the kingdom. And he taught them how to pray and how to heal and how to trust and how to deal with and, and understand persecution when it came. When Jesus was speaking to big crowds, he spoke in parables. Uh, he did that for lots of different reasons. But, but oftentimes in the crowds, there were people that didn't care for Jesus, even enemies of Jesus. And he taught in parables. But when he was with his friends, he made sure they understood and he took him to a deeper place and in a deeper level. And so as Jesus' friend, you get to share in his joy and you get to share in, in his future and in this amazing story that he's got us called into. And it's just such an amazing privilege. And I, I want you to, to get a hold of that and, and stay with that as we continue to talk about these relationships because we can't relate to God nor can we relate to others until we're really settled in who we are in Christ, in our identity in Christ. So that's actually the first point. We have to be settled in who we are. You just have to be. You have to be at that place where you know how much He loves you and, and that He's got you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, he says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Uh, Paul's wanting us to see that there's something new about us in Christ. We're different now. And, and to really understand this, I have to make sure that you understand grace and what grace looks like and that you've taken it in. That God really has completely done uh, with our past and, and with our present mess and with our future stuff that's going on. So I know that we, we talk about this often, but, but it just needs to be in you when you think about it. We talk about salvation, and I said that there's different tenses to the idea of being saved, and that biblically we are saved, and we're being saved, and we will be saved. And that the way that we understand those is that when you come to Christ, and you ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you are saved. 
And the, the word for that is justified. Uh, I like to remember that one. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. So at that moment, when you ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, God, from that point on, chooses to see you in the perfection of His Son. So that's the basis of your relationship now with God, is He sees you in the perfection of His Son. So all of your mess has been forgiven. Your, your past mess, your, your present stuff, your future stuff, it's all been forgiven. You stand in Christ, in the presence of the Father, as perfect and whole and holy. And that's who you are in Christ. Don't let anybody ever take that away from you. The enemy constantly wants to steal that from you so that you don't live this life the way he's called you to. The other things that have happened is, so when we come to Jesus, we're also filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. And he begins in this, this process of being saved. So we're, we're saved. You hang on to that. But we're being saved because we are honest with ourselves that we haven't arrived yet. We, we, I hope you are. We're a mess in a lot of ways. We stuck our things. God sees us in the perfection of His Son, so we got that, and that's grace. That's amazing. But the Holy Spirit now is working in us, and He has power to change us as we yield to Him. And so in this period of our lives, in this present period of our lives, we're constantly learning to yield to the Spirit, and He's changing us from the inside out. And, and, and so we're ongoing this to the point in time when either we're with Jesus face to face or He's come back for us, however that works, whatever happens first for us, and then we're glorified, we will be saved. That's glorification. We have that to look forward to. That's coming. But we're being saved and we've been saved and all of that is happening at once. But I, in order to relate in, in the, the world to the people around us, you have to be fully aware of the fact that you're justified, that you're forgiven, and that you operate out of that. Anytime that you get out of that, you start to become critical of other people, you start to judge other people, or you start hiding and you start doubting who you really are, and you withdraw and you pull back and you isolate, and that's what the enemy wants. It's not what God wants. God wants you to know that you're his son, you're his daughter, you're his friend. He loves you, he's for you, he's with you, now and forever. He's got you, and you stand in that, and it changes the way that we are able to love other people and love ourselves and love Him. All of it gets changed when we get a hold of that. So we have to be trying to do that. Unfortunately, what happens is, is many times believers get that, that they're saved by grace, but then they start to think that they have to maintain that in their own ways and in their own works. That they have to start living in their own strength in a certain way. Rather than understanding that we're yielding to the Spirit and He's empowering us to live, we start trying to do it by following rules and regulations and all these other things. And we actually step out of grace. Paul, he says this amazing thing in Galatians 5, verse 4. He said, you who are trying to be justified by law. So instead of taking it by grace, you're trying to work it and earn it now, have been actually alienated from Christ, separated. You've fallen away from grace. See, and that's where we have to get a hold of this whole idea about this new life, this, this new creation that we are. We live it differently. A new creation requires a new method of living life. And, and this method is this, this constant realization that we're totally dependent on God and that we need to be yielding to the Spirit uh, in, in, in just living in the idea that we're forgiven now and forever, uh, that God actually really does like us. We have the favor of God. That's what grace is about. And that he empowers us then as we stand in those things to live the kind of life that's pleasing to him. And so it's different in this, us trying to do it in our own strength. So let me make this point another way because it's important that you get this. See, Jesus never asks us to be the best you and me that we can be. He, what he asks us is to look like him. 
And that's significantly different. Uh, and it actually changes life. See, the weaknesses that we have, and we all have them, and, and the broken places in our lives, they're, they're not meant to cause us to go and read books about how we get better on those things and, and to you know, listen to things so that we can overcome those things in our own strength. Our weaknesses are actually there uh, to drive us to God. And in His grace, the, the weaknesses and the, and the brokenness and those things that are in our lives, um, not there to figure us how to fix or how we can band-aid them in our own strength. They're there to drive us to Him so that when we're there, we find His strength and that His grace is enough. We find that God's strength is greater than our weakness. His grace is sufficient, the Bible says, and He's the only one that can work through our weaknesses to ultimately make us more like Jesus. And that's so important for us to grasp in this identity. And that's what he wants. And so we we have to stand in that process. Secondly, we have to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This is a great verse. Paul says this in uh, Romans 12.10. Exactly the way it's written. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That that first word, devoted, is actually um, the word, it's it's philostorgos, but the word storge is there, which is... uh, a type of love in the Bible. And at the end, brotherly love is the word Philadelphia or philia in, in the Greek. And um, both those words are descriptive of different types of love. And C.S. Lewis actually has this great book, if you ever get a chance to read it. It's called The Four Loves. And he describes the four loves in the Bible as agape, which is the, the godlike, very self-giving love even towards enemies. Philia, which is the love of friendship and camaraderie. Eros is the love of romance and, and desire. And then Storge, I love, this, is, this is why this thing is in there, because he writes this about Storge. It's the love of affection that arises through natural attachment. A child, a dog, a favorite old shabby sweater, a spot in the woods. So Lewis was so good at describing that stuff. But see, that's the idea of devotion. Um, Alice and I were talking, we have, Alice and I have a dog. Uh, Maybe you've heard me talk about dog Mia. And and, uh, she is such an amazing part of our lives. And and so we we love this dog, you know, those those attachments that we get to animals. Um, And just because of the way that she loves us, I guess. I don't know. She needs us. She's cute. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. So, um, and she's really not like, my dog, if you could tell my dog to come, she's like, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. So, so just get it. It's not because she's, but she, anyway. But this kind of love is what we're supposed to have for one another in Christ. This is, this is our, our one another kind of love. It's the, our family in, in Christ, what it means. And it's important to be devoted. This kindly and affectionate love is what that word really means. And it's important because in uh, John 13, Jesus says this, verse 34, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. There's something about this tender affection that we're to have for one another that will actually impact the world around us, those, those future believers in the Lord that we're, that we're praying for all the time. They're impacted by the way that we love one another because people desperately want to know that they matter, that they count, that they have purpose, and that they're loved and that they make a difference. And our world desperately needs to know that in the process. So, um, you know, we, we do that because the church is like, it's more than an institution, right? It's the family of God. And so as His family, we're to be devoted to one another. 
And that ultimately has an impact on the world around us. Now, third, and this is a great question and really what we're going to be spending the time on in fellowship. How are we to do that? How are we to love like this? Because it's not always easy to feel that sort of tender and kind affection to everybody in the church, is it? Uh, it's sometimes even hard in our own families. Anybody ever have somebody annoy you in your own family? Anybody have anybody annoy you in the church? And, and then the realization is a lot of times the things that are annoying us and people are actually because they're the exact same character traits that we have. <laughs> and they're in our face then. And uh, that's even more difficult for us. So um, we have to, we need a couple of things to help us. We'll talk about, but you have to get in so as his friend and as a part of this amazing family um, we have to start honoring and recognizing and valuing one another in the body of Christ because everybody has value everybody matters everybody counts everybody makes a difference everybody there's, there's no bigger than and littler than everybody makes a difference we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians 12 in the weeks ahead where Paul starts having this discussion about the body being made up of different parts and it's a funny discussion. He says, you know, the, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, and I can't say this, and he starts talking about body parts. And, and because each one makes a difference, each one matters. So I have a quick story. Uh, yesterday morning I was here. It was nice and early. I was here by myself, and I was back in the back kitchen over there, and I was preparing some food and stuff for Saturday evening and for Sunday morning, getting it ready, getting in the refrigerators, getting, doing those things uh, that have to be done. And, and so I'm here, and I'm working along, having a great day. Uh, and I, I go to get a box of sausage out of the freezer. And, uh, and so I grab a hold of this box of sausage. Well, um, we have these so eggs. So we serve hundreds of people eggs here every weekend, right? And so there's too many eggs for us to be cracking eggs back there. And we just we don't have that kind of manpower or time or people. So we buy the eggs. Somebody else has already done all the cracking and stirring. And they put them into bags. And they're frozen. That's how we buy them. They weigh about 10 pounds. Uh, and they're frozen. And these frozen eggs were sitting on the top shelf. And when I pulled this bag of, uh, box of sausage out, uh, somehow one of the bags of eds, uh, eggs that was sitting on the shelf came sliding out. And then you ever have things happen and it feels like slow motion? And I, so my hands are full of sausage, and I'm standing there in front of the freezer, and I see this egg start to slide, and I can still see it very clearly, and I see it dropping. And, and so it feels slow motion, but it's affected by gravity, so it's moving at 32 feet per second squared, which is pretty quick. And, and uh, all of a sudden, it hits me in the foot. Oh, man, did it hurt. Uh, and it, literally not the foot, it hit my second toe. The, this, if this was my big toe, I know it doesn't look right, but it hit this toe hard and it was like the corner from what i can tell of this bag of eggs and uh and so i was all alone so there's no one there to share my pain with and uh i thought a lot of different things to say but i didn't say any of them but and you know you get that moment where you know it hurts really bad but there's that little sort of numbs just for a second sometimes where you're you're kind of like huh i wonder if it's as bad as i think it's going to be and then it's i said oh yes and uh (laughs) Oh no! You know, almost I felt like I was going to be sick for a moment, and I, I went, oh, "That's good." And then I, and then it didn't feel right. You know, hurt, and I thought, "I wonder if it's still attached." That was actually my thought. <laughs> I better go and look and see what. And so I come limping in, and I sit down, and nobody's here. And I take my shoe off, my sock off, and it, it, I broke my toe. There's no doubt about it. It's broken. It doesn't look right. It's already purple and swollen, and uh, 
and, and not pleasant. And it hurts. And, and it still hurts. But here's the whole thing. So now I'm, I'm at that point, you know, I'm calming down. I'm starting to pray. And I'm kind of like, you could have really helped me out with that bag of eggs. And uh, <laughs> not that it was his fault, but, you know, I can talk to him like that. And he's a good daddy. And, and, uh, uh, and, and he said, yeah, yeah. But here's, a, here's even better than that. I really felt this is how he relates to me sometimes. He said, that's going to be a great sermon illustration. Because you're talking about the body. And uh, not that he caused it, but, you know, God works and causes all things that work together for good. So I'm not blaming God. But he said, but now think about it. How important a toe is and you don't always realize it and that toe uh you know it's it when you compared to the rest of me it's a it's such a small fraction i don't even know i should have sat down and done the math uh but then i'd have to weigh the toe never mind so anyway it's such a small part of me and yet it is significantly impacting all the rest of me right now it's making other things hurt and it's i'm constantly aware of it and i'm looking at the toe and then i realize that i'm not appreciating my toes enough in life, because they pretty much do what they're supposed to do, right? So I'm, I'm, I, I told the other toes earlier today, all nine of them, that I was very thankful for them, and, uh, I, and I wasn't very happy with that one. And, uh, but I would still love that toe, and to give me a break. I went home and told my wife, and, and she said, Honey, should I get you some steel-toed shoes to work there? And then, I, then I'm like, I'm not that old yet, I don't think. You know, do I need to wear a helmet and elbow pads to go work in a kitchen? That doesn't seem right. So, I say all that to say this. Every part of the body matters. Every part. And so, it, that needs to impact the way that we relate to one another. Because everybody matters. Everybody that's here matters. You all count. And, and as believers in Christ, you're also His friends. And so, we're all His friends. How cool is that? That that's what He gives us in this whole process as His kids. And, and so, you know, we look at that. So, the help that we're going to need, two things... We're going to have to absolutely be yielding to the Holy Spirit in order to love the way that we're called to love. Listen to this in in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, put off that old self with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So there it's very relational, the idea of how the Spirit is working in us and what He's doing. It's about this idea of relating to one another. And the second thing that we're going to have to be always aware of is our need, constant need for grace. That that we have to stay in that spot in understanding of being justified, that that we're forgiven. uh, And and that He loves us and He's for us and that we're His friends. We're going to have to stay there because when you're aware of your own need for grace... It's much easier to to be able to extend that grace to others around you. And that's going to have a significant difference in the way that we relate to one another. So there's some other scriptures on your page that I want you to look at this week and spend some time praying about. Because all of this is about us loving one another the way that Jesus loved us. And, And just like he told his disciples all that he knew and he shared with them all these things, we're to be doing that in this context. We're to we're to share our struggles and our fears and our hopes and our experiences. We're to share all that God has taught us um, by the things that we've gone through. And as a church, then we see we share our lives with one another. And and this is significant to us getting this whole process. So think about those scriptures this week. 
and uh, all that matters and kind of, you know, weigh that into your life and take some time to pray over them and remember what it means to be forgiven and have grace and stand in that because that's what we'll find life. And we're going to dig into the idea of what it means to be a part of the body uh, and, and each part being important in the weeks ahead. So uh, we're going to end it there. Ministry team, those who are here, why don't you head over to the wall. The folks over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Uh, and as we were praying earlier today and just seeking the Lord, um, we felt like there's, there's someone here, and, and the name is significant, the name is Sam, that you're, you're grieving the loss of a pet, and, and uh, you've kind of been beating yourself up over it, but um, it, it matters. God sees your tears. It's not silly, and, uh, and He wants you to know uh, how He loves you and that you would be settled in that love for you today. And... Uh, You know, this idea of identity, I, I just felt like there were people who need to know and let that settle in that you're absolutely forgiven and that you're loved. And, and he, he wants you to take a, a rest from trying to earn it and work for it and just settle in it. And that that will change you significantly in this journey. And so, you know, if you're kind of stuck in that spot and struggling, let someone pray for you today and if you need prayer for anything they'll be there healing relationships problems finances situations let me pray for you as a group and we'll dismiss papa we are so so thankful for who you are and for the joy of being your friends wow let that just resonate deep in our souls so that it changes us and changes the way we relate in this world and God, God, as we're changed, let it impact the world around us for you. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. Let hundreds and thousands of people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything, let the folks over there pray for you. As we said, healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations. If you're feeling the way that we talked, go over there. Uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's where everything starts. Best decision you'll ever make. If you need help, just go over there and ask somebody. Say, I want to know Jesus. He'll know what you mean. And they'll help you with that prayer. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay in that breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, God, so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. You are so, so awesome. Praise God from whom all blessings and keep you. May his face shine upon you.
May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is over there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.